0: We don't want people to think like video editors. We want them to think as a builder of a message. It's just, you want to communicate in this language of video that's been made even more popular by Facebook. And we want to give you that voice to help you speak video uh, without knowing how, how difficult it really is.
1: Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Today we have Brad Jefferson, who's the CEO of Animoto, which turns your photos and video clips into professional video slideshows in minutes. Brad, how's it going? It's going great. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Brad. I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about your company, kind of what you guys do? And, um, yeah, I was just, Brad and I were just talking right, literally right before we started about how I was using Animoto about seven years ago when I first started learning digital marketing. So Brad, take it away. Great.
0: Yeah, so Animoto helps businesses of all sizes create marketing videos. And and that, and you were an early adopter of using Animoto for that business purpose seven years ago. We've been around for 11 years. And so when we started the company, we were really focused on the consumer opportunity. YouTube had just come out. We felt like the clips on YouTube were kind of boring and not professional looking enough. And so my co-founders and I came together and said, man, imagine if we could allow anyone in the world just point to their their photos and video clips in a song, and we would automatically turn it into a TV, TV quality video production. And so, that, so that's what we created from the very beginning uh, were video slideshows. Uh, but over the course of the, the 10 years, we have catered to a lot of different use cases and a lot of different types of customers, but where there's the biggest traction today is really helping businesses create marketing videos for social media to help stand out on social media.
1: Got it. That's incredible. And you guys have raised, what, 30 million total? That's right, yeah. Got it. And so what have you guys, I mean, uh, I I guess how did you guys discover that it was was time to, you know, make sense to pivot over from consumer over to business? What did you guys see?
0: Yeah. Well, so in the early days when we were focused on the consumer customer, we didn't feel – one thing that we got right from the very beginning was we had a business model. We said if this is quality enough that people should be willing to pay – and that was pretty bold of that. So we launched in, in August of 2007. And so we launched with a subscription uh, service. And luckily that came true is that people did view it. At the time there was um, competitors set with something like Slide and Rocky, if you remember those companies. And so luckily people did view us different enough and were willing to pay. But our price point for a consumer was like $30 a year to create as many videos as you wanted. So the interesting thing was we, were, we started to create a business. We started to uh, bring in some cash and... We got this cohort of customers, at the time it was professional photographers, and they said, wow, this is perfect, but if you add this feature and that feature, we'd be willing to pay 10 times more than you're charging. And so <laughs> based on the, the data and the input, we said, well, we'd be foolish not to do that. Um, and so, so that's when we started to kind of watch the data, make sure we're talking to customers and figure out what their needs were and adapting accordingly. Now, I think this, this, is, this actually turned into a challenge for us. Because you kind of fast forward that several years and you can kind of lose your identity. And and, and I'd say that sort of happened to us and we realized that in kind of 2011, 2012, is we were catering to a lot of different kinds of customers, a lot of different kinds of use cases. But if we were really true to ourselves, we weren't we weren't perfect for any target customer. And when we sort of looked at where the future was going and made some bets, we said, okay, we, we we're pretty confident that there's going to be a business demand here. We're pretty confident that the cloud providers that, that allow you to store their photos for free are going to give services like this to consumers for free. And so we made our bet, and it was kind of 2011, 2012, that the future of the company would be helping businesses. Now, we still have a very big, robust business helping consumers. And so from a total strategy perspective, that's important to us. But we know where the future is, and so in a way, it's only important to us be to really um, to catapult our business focus. And so we'll continue to we'll continue to help consumers for a really, really long time. But our focus is really helping businesses stand out on social media.
1: Got it. So what I'm hearing is a kind of, you know, obviously starting any kind of business, you have a hypothesis in the beginning, and then, you know, you took some time, looked at the data, and then you decided to focus in another direction. How long did that whole process take for you to transition over from hypothesis to, you know, moving in another direction?
0: Oh, man, probably longer than it should have. It's really hard because, you know, you fall in love with all these different kinds of customer types. And, and for me as a consumer and an avid user of our product the use case that I wanted to use it for was the one that we were sort of pivoting away from. So there's a, there's always a lot of kind of, um, there's always a lot of strain in that process. So I think, I think it's been an evolution for us. I'd say, you know, really, I mean, probably something like five years, it's been sort of gradual because we've been trying to de-risk it as much as possible Mm -hmm. throughout the process. But the cognitive switch, like I think the, the key is, is when the cognitive switch happens, and that took like six months of data, and then the cognitive switch happened, and then it was all about how do we do this in the most responsible way, so that we can continue to grow, continually every year grow as a company, but but bet our the the most chips on the biggest opportunity.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, and the reason why I'm getting at this is because it just it t- it takes time. At the end of the day, right? People want things to happen, you know, tomorrow. But you know, the fact of the matter is it took you guys, you know, five years to make that transition. But I, I think it's okay for people to just you know hang back a little sometimes, and then just be patient, and good things will eventually happen, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And you know, it's it's harder. Like if we were pre revenue at the time, it'd be so much easier. But because we actually had solid lines, multiple solid lines of revenue, uh, we couldn't just. Kill those lines of revenue and, and sort of do a pivot like massively. It's funny, we were written up in TechCrunch in, I think it was 2011, and Ryan Lawler, who's the writer of the article that, that covered us, the title was Animoto Pivots to Businesses. And I was so careful in my interview with him not to ever say the word pivot, because for me, it was just a focus. We're going to focus more here. Mm. But, you know, I I think he he sort of understood what I was saying. And in some ways, I feel like I probably should have been in some ways more bold of making that prediction at that time.
1: Got it. Okay, makes total sense. And I'm curious. I mean, what's what's your background? What's your story?
0: So uh, let's see Went my, my first job out of school was with an enterprise software company called Onyx Software we were a CRM, a customer relationship management. Uh, we competed with like Siebel and, and uh, salesforce.com. We, I was with that company for eight years. And so I saw it really grow actually as an intern even before that. I saw it grow from kind of 17 people all the way to 800 people and through an IPO. And I did a variety of roles through mostly in professional services, helping big companies like Starbucks and, and uh, AAA uh, implement this, this enterprise software um, but also did uh, stints in, in sales and operations. So that sort of gave me the business experience. But it actually, the, the roots of Animoto trace back all the way to high school is uh, I have three friends I went to high school with. Two of them went to college with me. And we, have, we d- had done a couple projects before. My favorite was at Dartmouth. We I, I graduated in 98. We had created a something called the Dartmouth Interactive Directory. Dartmouth had a, we didn't call it the Facebook, we called it the Green Book, which was a printout Facebook thing. And so we were the first to put that online in sort of a kind of very primitive form of social network. But it was it was really awesome. And and the students used it. Once we graduated, it kind of died down. The same people that created Animoto created that. And I think that gave us the bug to realize, you know, there's some big opportunities here. It's really fun to work together. And while that wasn't we never thought of that as a commercial. We thought of sort of a nonprofit thing for the college. It's, it's funny to look back. I don't lose sleep over this, but like, huh, what, what if we had thought bigger? What if we had thought outside of the bounds of our school? <laughs> now, the reality is I think it was um, what were the social networks that came out after that, like Friendster and then MySpace. So it was, it was still six years before Zuckerberg entered Harvard. But So we had the bug. We had the bug to do something again. And so we all went our different ways. Um, the way my background is not in, in video but but all three of my co-founders are in, in uh, entertainment, video, and music. And so some of their paths, one was a producer at MTV for some shows, uh, MTV and VH1 both. And then another was a the lead editor at Peter Jennings Productions, um, which was a part of ABC at the time. And uh, so he was doing all the motion graphics that would go into the long-form documentary. and And so that's where the idea and the vision came from was – the, the two of them were chatting at a sake bar in New York city and they, they would chat about different startup ideas. And Stevie, our, our founder, our technical uh, founder said, you know, I'm, I'm creating a lot of the same sort of vignettes and styles and I can, in my mind, I can see what I want it to look like very, very quickly, but the tools there's a zero scale ability in the tools that I have to use to actually produce that and turn it into video and, uh, so he was starting to think about using a CS background to automate some of that. And Jason, who's our, our president and, um, and, and really the, 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 visionary for the, the product from the beginning said, man, imagine if anyone in the world could tap into your sort of video editing skills without knowing anything about the sophistication of the software. And so they pitched that idea to me and I didn't know if it was possible, but I did know I'd seen some of the videos that they had created in their free time and, Thought to myself, this is a product I would use. I don't know if it's a business per se, but I I want to use this product, and I knew my mom wanted to use it. I knew my friends would want to use it, and so that that's really what we rallied around.
1: Got it. And so, how is it to work with you know your your three high school buddies? How's that experience been?
0: Uh, it's been great. Uh, we've been at it for eleven years now, and I think so for me because I I went into it with eyes wide open. In fact, one of my mentors. The former CEO of that company, Onyx. Uh, I asked him when I was about to start this any advice I'd have, and he basically said, "You know, do you do you like your people that you're interested in co-founding this company with?" And I said, "Yeah, I, they're my best friends." And he's like, "Well, be really careful because off, more times than not, it's going to turn out negative, and you're not going to be friends at the end of this." And so that was so I went in with the eyes wide open of that, and we made sure that we set up our partner. We we sort of lawyered up a little bit. We made sure our partner agreement up front, um was fair. And that in, we tried to contemplate all the different scenarios, all the different downside scenarios, make sure that we all felt like those would be be fair, how things would play out. And so, um, and, but I think if you can get it right, if you can set it up right, like you have that foundation of trust from the very beginning and that can permeate through the whole entire organization. And so it really becomes, as you build trust across the whole org, it's really about the vulnerability based trust. And if you have that at the core, Um, I think it makes it a a lot easier for the whole company. And so I I think there's a a big influence on culture because there are, are such great friendships at the core and we continue to be great friends today.
1: Yeah, you know that's interesting. I, I mean, I've you know you have you hear from the Bill Campbell from the past, you know, telling telling Ev Williams, you know, don't work with your friends, da 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 da. And I, I've seen more. You know, I've I've personally worked with a couple friends in the past. Some have gone well. Some haven't gone well. But yeah, it's, I, I think ultimately what you're getting at is alignment at the end of the day, right? Just making sure that you guys are all on the same page.
0: Yeah, yeah. And one of one of the four of us uh, left a year ago and it was like it, i felt like the way that it was done and the way that we approached it and the way that it was everything was done in uh, very maturely and he's going to be one of my best friends for the rest of my life so but i think you have to go in with you have to have those hard conversations up front you have to you have to play through the downside scenarios and make sure that you're all comfortable with what would happen in those cases and i think if you do that maturely and set it up right it can be great
1: Awesome. So I want to talk about the the company a little more now. I mean, how do you guys, you know, how do you guys make money? How do you guys charge all that kind of good stuff?
0: Yeah. So it's a subscription service. Consumers pay us $99 a year to make as many slideshow videos as they want. Businesses pay us on average $250 a year uh, to create as many marketing videos as they'd like. And um, you know, the product itself from a marketing perspective is it's kind of akin to Squarespace or Canva. So the idea is that you go in and it's a, a builder project. And by that, I mean, it's, there are uh, sto- we call them starter storyboards. We have a lot of different videos that are already produced. And so you just look at a few of those, you can uh, filter or search. Um, when you find one that you want, you say, yeah, I want to create that. And then, then it's a simple drag and drop interface where you just drag and drop in your own logo, maybe a few photos, uh, maybe keep the photo that's in there. And uh, within a few minutes, all of a sudden you have this professional looking video. And so the the trick of it is that we don't want people to think like video editors. We want them to think as a builder of a message. It's just you want to communicate in this language of video that's been made even more popular by Facebook. And we want to give you that voice to help you speak video uh, without knowing how how difficult it really is.
1: Awesome. Okay. And and so how's the company doing today in terms of uh, whatever numbers you can reveal around revenues, number of customers, things like that?
0: Let's see. So we've had over, uh, we have tw- over 20 million people who've tried the product. Um, we just launched this new marketing video builder product uh, about a year ago. We've already had a, a million businesses uh, create a video on that new product.
1: Wow. Okay. So it, it sounds like, I mean, this is kind of uh, when, you, when you talk about Canva and Squarespace, this is like when people are looking to kind of get started and have a simple way of, of putting a video together, right? Not going all out with like a video production company, things like that.
0: That's right. Yep. Yep. And so, so the, and you know, it's so interesting that video has blown up so much. There's so many categories of video. And so, you know, we're not, we're not the company that is going to create the cartoon video for you to demonstrate how to use a product we're not uh, going to bring actors on site we're not we're not the lighting people we're not all that stuff if you if you want to create a video like the videos that you see on Facebook whether it's the tasty food videos or how they present news or just like that eye catching content with your own logo in it and your own photos and our video clips and your own message really that that's what you want to use Animoto for got it
1: okay and so how did you let's go back to the early days how did you go about acquiring your first let's say 1000 customers
0: First I think, well, so we, so this is 2007 and we were pretty naive. We felt like, oh man, if you create a, create a great product that all of a sudden all these people will show up. So the first hundred people were family and friends that we begged to use the product. Uh, luckily they liked it. Uh, we were picked up early by um, the U- USA Today. Uh, they had a tech blog or they still do. Um, and so that then drove, I think that was responsible primarily for that first 1000, But I think it you know we were a bit naive. We felt like, okay, so if we just kind of get these PR hits, that's how you grow. What we didn't realize was the the product itself should and can really drive growth itself. So we were trying to figure out, okay, what's the distribution channel? What's the distribution channel? How do we get in front of customers? And so we were seduced by a few things. Like if you remember, Google created a social network called Orchid way back when, yep. you know, we were, we were one of their launch partners on Orchid and we thought, okay, this is great. We're going to get in front of all their customers that did not work. We were actually surprised that when they released their launch partners, we were one of like 250 launch partners. And so <laughs> it, it, brought, it brought in zero customers. And, but, however, we then said, well, we got to, we got to, put our, our destiny in our own hands, let's create a Facebook app. And we had seen things like how, um, I think it was called, I like, um, the music service on Facebook that went really viral. And so we created a Facebook app and similar thing, you know, if you build it, okay, are they going to come? And no, they did not come. And so we started to play around with some of the, uh, some, some vir- viral, hooks within the app. And, uh, we played with it a lot and and, and at one point it got a bit spammier than we necessarily had intended but it led to a lot of interesting outcomes and uh yeah yeah so i'll give you an example so so we um this facebook app this was in 2008 you could when you installed our app it would automatically create a video for you from all your photos so the stuff that facebook's doing today however they make it private and you have to share it uh, we would automatically share it on your behalf and uh and then, when somebody else wanted to see that video, they'd have to install the app it would create a video and then we would share it on their behalf and so that got a little that got that got pretty spammy
1: I think I remember that I, I I actually remember that and I was like, wow, this is actually pretty effective
0: we I think we hit we might have hit every person on Facebook in two thousand eight with that but back before it was you know how 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 big it is today but it led to some interesting things I mean we, one is we, we realized holy crap the you can create, like, there are ways to build virality into products. And, you know, that, that was more spammy than we wanted to do. But but we were like, whoa, holy cow, this is the, this concept of internet, you can touch a lot of people around the entire globe really quickly. And so we wanted to then harness that for good. It also, though, led to an investment by Amazon.com. We had our steady state of, of video creations. You know, I, I can't remember the numbers exactly, but we, were, we, were, we had maybe... 200 servers, EC2 servers, and this was early in 08, this is early days EC2. S3 had been out a year or so, but EC2 was Mm -hmm. – there were not a lot of of customers on EC2. And in order to handle the spike, we had to scale our server count to like 5,000 over the course of a few days. And that was really exciting because Amazon was in the process of trying to figure out how to tell the story of EC2 – and so Jeff Bezos was on the road, and, and so they ended up using the Animoto case study of the fact that you can scale. It's, it's not like the – there's a the famous story of the I like guys. The Partovies was they had to drive up and down Silicon Valley with their U-Haul truck to get servers from all their friends to in order to power theirs. For us, it was just instantiating new instances of EC2 servers with a few clicks of button and, and hope that Amazon had enough power behind it. And luckily they did, and luckily it all worked out. Um, but it really was this new case study of the ability to scale fast and using cloud computing from a compute side. Um, so we were we were really excited to be part of that history. And, it, you know, again, it led to good things with Amazon. They became an investor of Animoto back then. Got it.
1: That's incredible. OK, well, what's working for you nowadays in terms of customer acquisition?
0: We are constantly trying all channels. Yeah, so we're you know we're either optimizing certain stuff like paid search, like Google paid search, or we're ex- experimenting with stuff like you know Facebook um, Facebook advertising videos, um, but we're not doing much brand stuff. It's all performance based, so we're not on billboards or sides of buses or any of those kinds of things. Um, so we really like to track the return on investment of our spend um, and stay tight there. Got it. But um, yeah, all all sort of uh, channels where you can measure, uh, we're dabbling in.
1: What do you think is the most effective channel right now?
0: Well, you know, when products are good, word of mouth is what you see people say and how they heard about you. So that's the one that we want to be the highest in terms of uh, of how people heard of us. So we're really pushing to make sure that, the, that that that's the one that we want to grow the fastest. The one the ones that we feel like we have more control over over our uh, paid search, particularly through Google. You know, uh, email marketing is very effective for us.
1: Got it. Okay. Great. What about one big struggle, I mean, that you faced growing this business? And I'm sure you faced a ton of them, but what's the biggest one that you can remember?
0: Oh, wow. The biggest struggle I can remember. Well, there's sort of, you know, the identity crises are the ones that are interesting to me. And I think I I, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but when you try, if you're trying to appeal to all customers, you're not going to be perfect for any single customer. And, and, you know, there's, I, there's, there might be more bigger identity crisis over our years, but I feel like that's the one that we're, we're we're really focused on right now is how do we be perfect for a certain customer? Um, which means that we're not going to be great for others, but versus being sort of, you know, good for everybody. We want to be great and like singing from the rooftops, um, great for a certain particular customer and, and, um, so, so I'll, I'll use that as, as, as the example.
1: Makes sense. I mean, you know, they, they say the, the riches are the niches, and sometimes you could ca- kind of apply that to certain niches of customers, right, and focus on those, and then, um, you know, that's where the, the 80% or 80-20 rule, right? That's where the revenue comes from.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Cool. Just a couple more questions here as I work towards wrapping up. Um, what is one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value to your life? So it could be like
0: Evernote. Let's see. One new tool. I, well, one, uh, it's a product. Um, I got a Peloton bike earlier this year and I actually feel like that's improved my, my work in business quite a bit because I'm on it all the time and I, a, the endorphins are running and it's, it's been really effective as a, as a sort of a personal hack for me, uh, from a fitness perspective. Oh, that's so funny. Does that, does that count or do you want to? Yeah,
1: that, that totally counts. I was just talking to somebody else about it yesterday and then, um, God who was I talking to about it I think there's some some VC maybe but but like it's it's amazing because um, it's basically you' you're you're able to you buy it and then you pay like a monthly subscription and you're basically doing like soul cycle with people across
0: the world right yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah it'd be fun to get uh, to, to get their CEO on your on your show yeah yeah they are um yeah and I think you know going back to word of mouth I mean they' they're touting that their NPS score is 90 that it's only, it's only eclipsed by Apple and Tesla. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but here I am on your podcast telling a lot of people that that's been a really effective life hack for me this year. And uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's that strong. So are you,
1: are you able to work on it while you're working out?
0: No. So the thing for me, you know, the, one of the things I've really focused on this year is, you know, I, I think there's, um, is, is my own, uh, health and it's not that I was unhealthy. It's just that I felt like health was on the sidelines compared to my business. And I've been in this long enough to realize that it's not a sprint. You know, I, I it's it's uh, this is a marathon and I need to make sure that I'm in the best possible health so that, you know, I can I can be there for the company. I can be there for my family. And so I've really focused on a few things on the personal side, just around, you know, it really comes down to, I guess, three things, which is. Want to put it in my body, you know, exercise. So you know, calories in, calories out, and then sleep. Which the sleep one was a surprise for me this year. I always felt like you just didn't need a lot of sleep, and I typically would be up until two a.m. working. Uh, but now I've changed that routine quite a bit, so I can get up now early to do the Peloton before work, and uh, it sets. I feel like it sets me up with the right endorphins and just like the, yeah, getting enough sleep and then exercise. the first thing in the morning, like now I'm at my best at when I get to Animoto in the morning. And, uh, I, that I've just, that I've seen positive, uh, feedback loops because of that in lots of different ways in my life. So that's so interesting. You know, it's, the, it's the old adage, like take care of yourself if you want to take care of others.
1: Yep. I'm going to have to, uh, maybe replace my standing treadmill desk with the Peloton, but, uh, <laughs> I think you can turn me towards that. I'll take a look at it afterwards. Final question for you. What's one must read book that you'd recommend to the audience?
0: So the one that I've used, the one that I recommend and we'll even buy for people is called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. Um, and he's the one that wrote like, uh, what, Seven Dysfunctions of a Team and some of those other books. But I feel like The Advantage really wraps up a lot of these messages. And the message that I love the most in it, that we use it, you know, almost as Bible um, at our company is that companies that stand the test of time aren't just smart with the right strategy. They're all, also healthy. And so that's the culture and the values and uh, the diversity. And um, that's something that we've lived by at Animoto is we don't just want to be the smartest. We also want to be the healthiest company to really stand the test of time through natural ebbs and flows that happen with any business. Mm. And I think I feel like the advantage outlines that really well and gives a lot of helpful tools just even how to run an executive team effectively that I, I, I use a lot of them.
1: Great. Well, that's two th- two things I need to look into now. So we'll, we'll add the Peloton and we'll add the Advantage into the show notes. Brad, I mean, this has been awesome. What's the best way for, for people to find you online?
0: Yeah, uh, Brad Jefferson on Twitter is uh, easy. Also on Facebook. And um, and then and, and, uh, you can always send a note to me at Animoto, Brad at Animoto.com.
1: Awesome. Brad, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Eric.